come on now. Can we just celebrate the fact that Satan thought he was going to silence us, but we got a little bit louder in this last year. He thought he was going to shut us up, but he didn't know we were built for wartime. Come on, somebody. I want to... I want to say we got many people watching online who couldn't be here today. So we, can we put our hands together for everybody who's watching online right now? We love you so much. We got the Dominican Republic, Jackie, and that whole crew, Luis, we love you. We've got Honduras watching. Guys, people are watching service in ASL as well as Spanish translation right now. Isn't that amazing? We are a global voice of the gospel to all people, and uh, we love you guys. I also want to shout out, we had somebody drive from the Carolinas to be here, got a hotel to stay. Come on. Y'all thought that the Bible Belt was the destination, but welcome to the new Bible Belt. Somebody from Connecticut, it's incredible to see what God's doing here. And, um, you know, the thing that's inside of my heart that I want to share with you guys today, you know, just a quick, like, two and a half hour sermon. I've been storing it up through the whole pandemic. <laughs> and um, is that, you know, you don't know what you have is real until your situation gets real. Can I just say that again for the note takers? You don't know if what you have is real until your situation gets real. Like there's some people in this room who have been made fun of for the tenacity and the boldness that they pray with. But that same person who's making fun of you, when they get a sickness that science doesn't have an answer for, guess who they're calling for prayer? The wild one. Because they don't need that little dabble do you kind of prayer. They want somebody who will pull down heaven to earth. And, and you know, it's like sometimes you don't know if what you have is real until situations get real. And this pandemic got real, real quick. Do you guys remember when the footage was first coming out in Wuhan and people were dropping down and it looked like the zombie apocalypse? Do you remember that? There was no science out about it yet. And it was just like, it almost seemed as if you get COVID and then you immediately drop to the ground. Do you remember that? And I remember like the hero inside of me came out and I'm like, Julie, I'll go to the grocery store. Keep the kids at home. He's like, why are you talking like Batman? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that's what you're supposed to do when things get real. And, and then this whole thing has evolved, and there's so much debate about what it is and what we're experiencing. But one thing I can tell you is you don't know if what you have is real until things get real. And I will tell you this, resurrection power is real. And I will tell you this, as a pastor that signed up my life to come into this region and to faithfully teach the scriptures every week and to show up week in and week out and cry with you and do life with you. When this thing hit, I, I literally was like, well, how do I do all the things that God's called me to do? But how many of you know that whenever you suppress the kingdom of heaven, it grows? How many of you know that pandemics are fertilizer for the kingdom and things start growing like wildfire during persecution and isolation and crazy times? And, and so I said, my wife was like, you should just start broadcasting. So I said, you know what? I'll just start, I'll preach every day if I can't preach one day a week. Because there's something hood inside of me. There's something from the south side of heaven. I know where I'm going to live in heaven. I already know right now, man. It's going to smell like urine, and it's going to be weird because God's like, I know it's weird, but this is comfortable for him. <laughs> He's just hood like that. It's like a candle or something in heaven. Some baby started crying. I was like, let's go home, mom. But I say that because 
you know you're a fighter when you get punched and you punch back. And I'm not one of those people that can take a blow and back down or run. That's, I'm not programmed for flight. You know what I'm saying? I'm programmed for fight. And there's something about this church, the DNA of V1 is we do hard things. The DNA of V1 church is that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I watched our connect group leaders start making a commitment to put their, their phone in the room like Zoom and laptops and grow this global family. And we have people from all over the world, my parents who are retired and inspired. Who retires to New York, by the way? You gotta be sick. And all of a sudden they, they start meeting in the morning to facilitate evening uh, British summertime connect groups in Western Europe. And this church becomes a global church, like literally within months. Some of you are here. Anybody here from the broadcast? You know what I'm talking about? Come on. And God has just used in such a profound way this, this season because God will always find another way. And I want to share with you some things in Scripture. Do I have permission to go deep on an Easter? Because one thing this church is not good at is shallow. <laughs> it's like life or death, okay? Like, because the Bible calls it lukewarmness. And actually it says it's better to be cold than it is to be lukewarm. Because lukewarmness, the Bible says that he will actually spew you out of his mouth. And so the thing that I've been called to do is bring fresh fire and fresh wind into your life today. And, and if you're here and you're lukewarm, you're about to get lit up. And if you're here and you're cold, you're about to leave hot. And I know you think you look hot because this is the first time you got dressed up in a year and a half. You know, some husbands and wives are looking at each other like, dang, that's what I married. I forgot I've seen you in sweats for so long. And you know those good sweats still, the velour, that's still not enough. <laughs> My wife yelled, you better watch it. My bad, boo kitty. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. And I, I do want to go deep. I want to show you some things in Scripture that the Lord was showing me for you. And everybody watching online, drop a comment. And let us know where you're watching from. We love to see all the locations represented. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 11 says, are you guys there yet, by the way? Okay, you can look on the screen. It says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they bought spices so that they might go and anoint him, who? Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, gets crazier, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. How many of you know that's the wardrobe of heaven? And they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, right? Because I know there's a lot of people calling themselves Jesus, a lot of people claiming to be Messiah, but you're seeking Jesus, the Messiah, the Jesus from Nazareth, right, who was crucified. Well, hey, I got news for you. He was risen. He's not even here. See the place where they laid him. Now watch this. Go tell. Tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as, you as he told you. <laughs> he made good on his word. He told you he was going. He's gone. 
And they went out and they fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone. So they were commanded by this angel, go and tell. Somebody say, go. It was a command, go and tell. And they were so freaked out. They were just so astonished. They were so afraid. They didn't fulfill that command. They didn't tell anybody. But then there's this woman named Mary. You know that girl. You know the one, you know Mary. You know who I'm talking about. Come on, this is Long Island. You all love to gossip. It's your favorite pastime. You know that Mary. You know that one that you don't follow on Instagram, but you're always on her profile? Oh, everybody who laughed, you're about to get signed up for a discipleship class. You know that, Mary? Look what it says. Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, she went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. You know what I love about V1 Church? We got a whole church full of Mary Magdalene's. You know the Mary who had seven demons cast out of her? You know the Mary that everybody discarded and said, do you know her past? But Jesus said, yeah, but I know her future. You know that Mary Magdalene? The one that says, my past is so scandalous that only Jesus can get glory for what comes from my life. You know the ones who had seven demons. Come on, anybody here gotten delivered? My Mary Magdalene. And I love it that Mary, the mother of James, is like, no, I'm not going to say anything. I'm a little scared. I don't know if this is real. But Mary Magdalene said, it was real when he cast those demons out of me. It was real when he turned my life around. I know that he is risen. I'm going to tell everybody, isn't it just like God to use the least likely to be the first evangelist? And a woman too. And a woman too. And Satan's still trying to shut up those Mary Magdalene's, but guess what? V1 Church says, we got to hear our roaring mamas in this season because they got something to say too. Mary Magdalene, the one with seven demons. You know Mike Signorelli, the one that his wife left him and they were separated and he used to be an alcoholic? That's the one that's actually teaching Easter Sunday this Sunday. I'm telling you, Mark chapter 16, I got this profound revelation. And you know, there's primarily three ways that we deal with this skepticism. You know, I want to tell you a cool story. Um, I got an email the other day. And when I got this email, it was like, hey, uh, your magistrate, I am surprised, uh, to, uh, you may be surprised to know that um, you are the recipient of a large inheritance and I would like to facilitate the transaction of the funds. I just need your bank account information. And I was like, wow, I am a tither. This does make sense. I did want to upgrade to a better apartment. So I get, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like how people are like, who's going to tell him after church that he just got robbed? And, or, you know, my favorite thing about owning a cell phone in 2021 is that I constantly get calls for these really concerned people who want to help me with my car's warranty. Do you guys get that too? Some of you do. Why are you clapping? It's so annoying. I say, yeah, I love it. I tell them about Jesus. <laughs> you should try that. They'll never call back. And I tell them anyways, I'm like, my car never had a warranty. I'm on that Dave Ramsey plan. I bought it used, and my warranty is speaking in tongues every time it won't start in the middle of the winter. <laughs> Somebody else is on that same program. I'm like, my car never had a warranty. That's how I know you're lying. 
But skepticism is at an all-time high because we are constantly and perpetually lied to. And I'll be honest with you, going through this last year, it's very difficult to tell what is the truth because we get lied to on our cell phones, lied to on our emails, and we're all trying to determine like what is really going on? What is really happening? The skepticism is at an all-time high. I've never seen it like this ever, ever before. And so if you're coming into this Easter celebration and you're watching all these people worship and you're watching this service play out and you just assume that the characters in this book, the Bible, were all just gung-ho for the resurrection, they all believed it, they were all excited. You know, the truth is, if you walked in through the door skeptical, the closest disciples to Jesus on the very first Easter Sunday approach the situation the very same way. So you're in good company. Salome, Mary, the mother of James, approached this situation. And guess what? If you consider yourself a skeptical person, they got you beat because they had angelic intervention and still were like, that was really weird. And I don't think anybody's had an angelic encounter yet today, have you? And so if you come to church and you're just like, I just don't know if it's real, the people who followed Christ the most closely felt the very same way. But I got a solution for you. Would you like to hear it? I want to start by saying there's three ways primarily that we deal with skepticism. Number one is relationship. That's the first way we deal with skepticism. Well, I don't know how I felt about it, but I got a friend who, right? And then when somebody tells you something's real and you trust them already, you're like, okay, maybe it's real. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And a lot of, you know, it's funny because that's how V1 Church has grown, not by any marketing, just word of mouth. Like, hey, I'm telling you, it's real. Come and check it out. And there's something about the power of relationship to bring you closer to God. But there's also something about relationship that can push you further away. And I just want to tell you, my mom's in the front row right now. Do you just want to wave, mom? Sorry, we call her Mama Moses. I'll tell you what, man. She's got the anointing oil. She'll put it on your head, make you break out pimples. She'll spit in your face while she's praying for you. You won't even know what happened. You'll get up off the ground afterwards and be like, that was amazing. I have no idea what that was, but that was awesome. And, uh, and my mom raised me in these small storefront Pentecostal houses or churches, 30, 40 person churches. And I do want to put her on blast. She whooped me every time I was bad in those services. It was so wrong of you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I needed it. I probably needed it worse. You know, my mom was a single mom. So as she was whooping me, she would say, I'm going to be your mom and your dad. <laughs> and I'd be like, "That's the, I don't want that dad. <laughs> Come on now, somebody. So there's something about relationship. And as I got older, you know, I was a first generation college student on both sides of my family. And so there was something about the reflection when I would look back at my family, there was love and admiration for the things they taught me, but there was also a skepticism. There was also this curiosity about maybe there's something more in life. Maybe my family was ignorant. I never call my mom stupid, but my family's from West Virginia. We're mountaineers. Y'all don't know about that. Okay, we're hillbillies on my mom's side, you know? And uh, that's kind of how I was raised. And so I would watch my mom interact with God and it wasn't appealing to me. 
Really, my other brothers and sisters went in that direction, but I was the one that was like, you know, it's just, I don't get it. And because I'm not demonstrative and I'm not emotional, and some of you are like, I just watch you scream in front of hundreds of people. What are you talking about? Well, the Lord will change you. Let me just say that. <laughs> After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be a witness and you'll start doing things you would never do in your sober mind. You know, there, have you ever gotten drunk and said, I did it because I was drunk? If you get the new wine of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you'll do some stuff way out of character. But I was skeptical. I was skeptical and I began to go on a relationship journey with science, with philosophy, with reason. And I read the Hindu Vedas and was able to debunk them scientifically. So I didn't use any other lens by which I debunked the Hindu Vedas except for science. And I was like, man, in modern science, and this was over a decade and a half ago, they just don't hold their weight. I read the Quran. And not only was the Quran scientifically inaccurate, but it perpetuated a system that suppressed women and I couldn't devote my life to anything that suppresses women. And so however I looked at it, I said, this is surely not it. And then I also began to go on that journey uh, of just studying Eastern religions like Buddhism. But the problem with that is that Buddha died and stayed dead. So I said, well, what kind of power is that? You know what I mean? And then I remember back to my childhood, and this is really going to be a throwback, watching He-Man, Master of the Universe. And He-Man, don't shout too loud because I'm about to take it away from you. And, and every time He-Man was in trouble, he had this big sword. And I had a plastic version of that sword I used to ruthlessly beat my sister with. And I used to go, I have the power. You guys remember that? Did that get you hyped up? Any children of the 80s were like, whoo, I knew I felt something. But then I begin to realize as you become an adult that Disney lies to you and, and because you don't have something inside of you. There's actually times you'll get into situations in life where you don't have anything inside of you. You don't have the answers. You don't have a revelation. You don't have wisdom. And so you can keep holding up your plastic sword to heaven saying, I have the power, but you have no power in and of yourself. And so I stood in this place where all of the philosophy and the reason and all of the science, and it was just like, God, are you real? Is this real? And I begin to go on a relationship journey to search that out. And the other way that you can determine whether or not something is real beside relationship is prophecy. And I want to prove this to you because there's something very compelling in the Bible. And there's a reason why very intelligent people still believe that this book is perfect. And very intelligent people believe that God is not demanding that we turn our brain off to engage with this and engage with him. Is there anybody here who actually believes that this book is perfect? And anything that you think is, is flawed is the misinterpretation of man. <laughs> Come on, you got to stop listening to the gossip. There's a lot of gossip about God. There's a lot of people who gossip about a book they never read. Come on now. Don't tell me you don't like a book you never read. Somebody's like, oh, I don't like that movie. Did you see it? No, I saw the trailer. Get out of here. You saw the trailer and you're not going to go. You're telling me don't go see the movie because you didn't like the trailer. It's like somebody who never read this book telling me they don't like it. Come on, there ain't just because you watched a couple of YouTube documentaries trying to debunk this. Come on, now it doesn't make you a philosopher. (laughs) 
Biblical prophecy was very compelling to me though because in Daniel chapter nine, verse 25 and 26, you have this scene that's described in intimate detail and how Jesus is progressing, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who's going to come to fulfill this promise that he's gonna save it all. You have this depiction of how things are playing out. And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 and 26, it is fulfilled 500 years later. 500 years later on Palm Sunday, which was last week. Here's another one. Another prophet, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. He says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, which means yashana, freedom now. He's bringing deliverance now. You don't have to wait. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt. So then all of a sudden, Jesus now fulfills this prophecy and here he comes on a donkey. And when you read biblical prophecy, it speaks to your skepticism because you're like, there's no way. I mean, take your best educated guess. There's no way that they could fulfill the words to the detail and on a granular level they fulfill it had it not been the plan of God. And you know what's so powerful about prophecy? If God had a plan for Jesus that was that specific and Jesus died for me and died for for you, then Jesus has got a plan real specific for you too. Come on, does somebody believe that here? If God was that specific about Jesus and Jesus is about to be specific with you, you have a purpose for your life. Can somebody just shout amen? You know, as I think about this, the last and final one is miracles. Miracles. Wave at me if you've ever received a supernatural miracle in your life. Look at all these hands. Some of you, it was emotional. Some of you, it was mental. Some of you, it, it was physical. You know, I just spoke to a woman who's here right now. I was on a broadcast just speaking healing through a phone that I was holding to my face. But isn't it so great that God's power is matchless? And even through a phone, you can speak a word and power begins to break forth. And she said, you prayed for my knee and my knee is still here. And I walked all the way over here to tell you about it. Can God still do the miraculous? But there's a lot of gossip about God. There's a lot of gossip about the church. Just because a faith healer was a charlatan doesn't mean that healings aren't still happening. Oh, you're not preaching with me today. Just because one pastor hurts you doesn't make all pastors bad. Some of you, it's just like, oh man, I, I got hurt by this church, so I'm done with the church. You know how that sounds to me? It sounds to me like, hey, I got food poisoning from a restaurant, so I'm done with all restaurants. I saw how much weight you gained during the pandemic. You're not done with restaurants. Come on now. See, when you listen to the gossip, you're being conditioned to be removed from the real solution. Can I just say it back? Because there's some revelation on this sermon. When you listen to the gossip about God, you are being conditioned to be distanced from the true solution. When people say, oh, I'm done with the church. Oh, I'm done with religion. I'm done with, well, I'm done with dead religion too. But the real church is still God's plan A for the saving of the world. And when people tell me I'm done with the church, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like people saying, hey, you know what? Pastor Mike's cool, but I don't like Julie. 
Well, you know what's wrong with that, homie? Me and Julie are one in the spirit, and we are married to each other. And you can't have Mike without having Julie, just like you can't have Jesus without his bride, the church. And just because some people in New York messed it up doesn't mean it's still not God's plan A. I see a different church right now. I see a church where there's prophets and priests and evangelists in the seats right now. Oh, it's dangerous. Some of you think, well, if I don't go up for prayer, nothing will happen. Well, guess what? This is a Holy Ghost hijack because you got prayer team members next to you right now. See, this church is dangerous because it's not a one-man show. Jesus didn't say special people will cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead. He said all believers will do these works and greater come on that makes the walmart on long island a dangerous place when v1 church people are inside of it you never know what's going to happen and so when i think about this word and it's so rich there's this gossip about God, gossip about the church, gossip about what he can and can't do and you've got to find out for yourself when I was studying the Hindu Vedas and the Quran, I even read the, read the Satanic Bible, and I don't recommend that you do that, but I will tell you, if you read it, you'll discover that it's Hollywood's playbook for how they function to a T. Right now, you got Lil Nas X releasing sneakers, these Satan sneakers with a drop of human blood in every sneaker and a pentagram on it. And I'm not here to say anything about that other than they sold out within minutes at $1,000 a sneaker. Why do they make fun of Christians, but they don't make fun of Islam like they make fun of Christians? Oh, did I just offend somebody? Because nobody's worried about offending Christ. What, why, why do they never pick on any other religion to the extent that they pick on Christianity? It's revealing a system. See, the Bible says in the last days, one of the indicators that you're living in the end of days is that there's going to be the deception of many and there are going to be doctrine that's taught by demons. And if you're freaked out about that, can I just tell you that one of the reasons why you've been so distant from church is because all you've ever encountered was a church program, not the power of the real resurrected king. Because I'll tell you what, people are hungry for the spiritual realm. They're so hungry that churches closed their doors during this pandemic, but psychic mediums kept their spaces open all throughout New York. People are hungry for the spiritual realm, and we have all power that's been given to us through Christ, and we have been rendered powerless by religious programming. But I'm here to declare that chains are about to break, and we're going to see the full power and the full might. I was just in California where they can't even meet, and over 200 people met me on a beach in Newport, California, and people were manifesting demons, and I was casting demons out, and young people were hearing their, their parents and people cry out, and they're saying, wow, I didn't know it was this real, but like I told you, you don't know how real it is until it gets real. You've been conditioned to believe it's normal to go to a psychic, but not listen to the prophetic people of God. And I'm here to break through the lie today. You've been conditioned to believe that the only demons that are real are the ones that you see on a screen. 
But the ones you see on a screen are teaching doctrines to condition you, to distance you from Jesus, which is the solution to your sin. It's the solution to your problems. It's the solution that they don't want you to receive. Let me ask you a question. What Jesus did you receive growing up? What Jesus do you think you have right now? Because I will tell you this, there's many counterfeit Jesus. And you know, for some of you, you're so not sure about the resurrection that you just, oh man, see, look, V1 gave to thousands of people around the world. See, we do social justice. We have social justice, Jesus. See, we're do-gooders. We're not weird. God, I got news for you. If you're going to be a real Christ follower, you got to get used to being weird on purpose. We are a peculiar people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen generation. I am weird, and I'm coming out. If everybody else gets to come out, I'm coming out. I am a chosen royal priesthood. I am a true Christ follower. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'll shout until the day I die. And you know what? It's like your friends, you're trying to convince your friends, well, we'll just have social justice Jesus. We'll just, he's cool. Social justice Jesus is great. He even has his own merch line now. And you can buy social justice Jesus merch now. But see, social justice doesn't exist without a God of ultimate justice. And if he determines right or wrong, then we become the ambassador of his standard, not a government standard. And so social justice doesn't exist without a God of justice. Martin Luther King understood it. And see, this is, this is what I'm reinstalling because you've been taught, you've been conditioned, you've been lied to, you've been soothed, you've been, you know, it's funny because it's just like, when you think about the deception that goes forth, it's like you got people who want Watch this, moral teacher Jesus. And I got friends who are hippies. Oh yeah, man, your church is cool. I like that Dylan guy, great outfit. Life is life. Life is life, bro. That's social, that's, um, you know, philosopher Jesus. You know, yeah, your Jesus is cool, man. I read a little bit of him, Mahatma Gandhi, he's cool too. A little bit of Buddha. Life is life, bro. Yeah, that song's cool, man. You guys are just singing songs, yeah. <laughs> Hippie Jesus. Hippie Jesus. Life is life, Jesus. Because when you reduce him to hippie Jesus, you get to choose what things you listen and learn from and which things you reject. So if all he is is a good teacher, you get the choice of accepting the teachings you want and rejecting the teachings you don't want. So that's also a doctrine taught by demons. Social justice Jesus is like, oh yeah, let's just do some charitable work. No, let's break some chains, cast some demons out, and release supernatural healing, and then we'll feed you. Because if I don't give you the bread of life, you're gonna be hungry after I hand you out some gluten-free bread. We need the real thing, people. And, and here's the thing, when, when you say he's not hippie Jesus, he's not philosopher Jesus, he's the true and risen king, the only thing you can do when you encounter a king is bow down in submission. And you got this thing, what a counterfeit. Everybody, 
hates the word submission, but it's the only way to freedom in the kingdom. Because when you encounter kings, do you vote a president in or you don't, depending on what you believe right now? I don't know what's going on, but you didn't vote Jesus in. He was destined by God for the saving of the world. And whether you accept him as king, one day there's going to come a time where every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. It's a lot easier to do it on your own volition than to wait to be forced to do it. Am I right? I can't wait for that day. The most stubborn people are like, it ain't real, it ain't real. I'm like, well, looks like you're bowing with me now. I'm not going to church. Well, we're all in a global church service getting judged right now. How real is it now? Was that too brutal? Because he is the king of kings. So if, now watch, now let me give you the good news. This is the good news. The good news of submission is when you stop trying to do it your way and you do his way, you get his results. <laughs> When you did marriage your way, look how that worked out. When you do marriage his way, watch out, devil. You're about to lose, and a generational curse of divorce is about to be broken off your marriage. Come on, try sexuality the way the world teaches you sexuality. You're going to get the world's results. You're going to get sexually transmitted diseases. You're going to get babies out of wedlock, and you get all this confusion. But there's a restoration and a healing for that. But try it God's way and see what happens. It's like, first you're a fool, and then when you try it his way, and you get his results, and they watch you excel past them. But you gotta be willing to look like a fool first. You gotta be the one who's willing to jump before all your friends jump. You gotta be the one who's like, man, I, you know what? I know the world says this is how we do sexuality, but they're all addicted to pornography. They're all breaking up with everybody. They're heartbroken and, and they feel more alone the more people they hook up with. So I'm gonna try it God's way. And first you're gonna look crazy, but then your friends are gonna be coming to you like, hey man, can we talk? Cause I need your help. Cause I see your life, I see you prospering. Try it God's way. There's this man named Peter and Peter was just this, I don't know, I always imagine Peter, like he was the blue collar guy. He probably smoked two packs of marbles a day. You know what I mean? Like two packs, he's a two pack a day kind of dude. And Peter, I don't know, he was one of those guys that drinks on the job, I'm just telling you. He, <laughs> some of you know who I'm talking about. You're like, man, I'm related to a Peter. Somebody here right now is like, I guess I'm Peter. <laughs> and, and, and Peter, was a fisherman. He probably had a, a cigarette in his mouth while he was casting the net out fishing. And Jesus said, hey, you want to come follow me? He's like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> I ain't doing much other than that. Well, let's, let's go have an adventure. That's how I imagine it with a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah, let's go make an adventure. And he goes on this crazy journey. And all of a sudden, as he's developing as a Christ follower, Jesus is walking on the water towards this boat. And, and Peter's looking out. And Peter's like, I think Jesus is out there. And he goes, Jesus, is that you? If it's you, I'll come. And then Jesus says, yeah, Peter, let's go. And part of me thinks that Peter was just up for an adventure. Part of me thinks that he was like, listen, I know these waters well. I'm a fisherman. Like best case scenario, I walk on water. Worst case scenario, I just swim a little bit back to the boat. I've been in the water before. It would have been familiar to him. 
But all of a sudden, Peter gets out in the water and he steps on it. And Peter's like, whoa, I'm actually doing this. I'm actually walking on water. And he begins to walk on water. See, Peter saw the miraculous in his life. But you know what's so crazy about the miraculous? Is even the miraculous is not enough to seal your relationship with Christ. Many of you waved your hands to me and saying, oh, I received a miracle in my life, but is that enough? Because some of us have had that moment and it still wasn't enough. And, and what I love about Peter is that he was just real, real dumb, <laughs> real bold, real tenacious, but he was real. And when I think about Mary Magdalene, the woman with seven demons, she was real. And she was the one who acknowledged Christ first when, when the people who had it all together just couldn't see it. You know, when, when Peter, it was like he got to walk on water because he was just real. He was just like, yeah, I'm willing to step past my, my own thoughts. And some of you guys, you're so locked up in your own head. Like, you don't worship. It says, those who worship me, worship me in spirit and in truth. And you're so used to letting your mind run rush out all over your life and the confusion and the perplexion of your mind and you're always getting in your own way and there's something like your spirit is crying out on the inside, just let me worship, let me lead, let me do, let me walk this out. And I can feel it in the spirit realm right now. So many of you in your spirit, it's like, ah, I want, but you're always psyching yourself out of it. You're always second, third, fourth guessing yourself. But what we have in scripture are these stories of those weird people that jump head first and just trust it. It's, it's just another type of person. Would you stand to your feet with me? You know, we're getting ready to sing this song. And as we get ready to sing this song, you were born to worship. You were born to worship. You were born to worship. It's why the pandemic didn't stop our church from taking territory because we were born to worship. It's the very thing that we are called to do. It's the thing that's inside of you. It's just a, a desperation. For those of you who sing out of key, there's something in you that still wants to sing with your entire being. There's something that wants to lavish God with worship. And there's these moments that we have where we say, you know what, maybe my mom didn't get it. Maybe she did, but I wanna see for myself. I wanna come a little closer. I want to come a little closer. Oh, maybe my church friends are kind of crazy, but I want to see what they're seeing. I'm going to come a little closer because I want to give you the last and final ingredient to freedom. It's encounter. Encounter. And the one thing that never, ever stood out to me before is that there was this moment where Paul, who is named Saul, is walking on the road to Damascus. And he was, he knew the Bible, he knew the scriptures, he knew it, but then nothing changed his mind. Not biblical prophecy, not the miracles of the early church. The only thing that changed Saul to Paul was a radical, real, unadulterated encounter with the living God. 
And so I think oftentimes pastors say, well, how can I teach them science on Easter? How can I teach them philosophy on Easter? How can I show them miracles on Easter? I want to give you the only thing that will seal the deal. It's encounter with the risen king. It's encounter because once you've encountered him, you can't be convinced of anything else. On this stage right now are people who've encountered the true and risen Jesus and they said like Mary Magdalene, I knew what I was, but now I know what I am and there's no other explanation. I was on drugs, I was drunk, I was down and out, but he saved me. I've encountered him and there's nothing else that will convince me otherwise. Mary Magdalene says, I still haven't gotten over my salvation. I still haven't gotten over where I used to be. Is there anybody here who knows what I'm talking about? On this stage, I could tell you the stories of every person on this stage. Years and years of shame. Years and years of condemnation. Years and years of addiction. Years and I could tell you the stories. I could look into the crowd and I'm well adjusted and well acquainted to the level and the severity of your pain because we pastored you through your pain. But wherever you find pain, you'll find Jesus. Wherever there's desperation, wherever there's loneliness and torture, wherever there's something that science can't solve, there you will find Jesus. You'll find him in the epicenter because he's drawn. He's drawn to our pain. He's drawn into impossibility because that's where he becomes the most real, which is why Peter was like, in Acts chapter two, Peter, he rises up and he says, wow, Jesus is resurrected. It's real, I've seen him. I've seen him, I've encountered him. And as he's in, in this place, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And all of a sudden, as the Holy Spirit comes upon him, Peter's looking around, he's like, Judas killed himself. Judas committed suicide. He just didn't believe this was real. He was hopeless. You know, my daughter Bella came out of a V1 youth Zoom during this pandemic. And she said, Dad, that, that Zoom through this pandemic is so important. I said, why? Why? She said, because my friend killed themselves through this pandemic because they didn't have the hope of Jesus. And it's so important what we're doing, Dad. I'm telling you. When you hear your 14-year-old tell you how important a Zoom is, you don't have digital fatigue when there's people dying on the other side of that Zoom. She said, if my friend would have heard what, what, what we heard, maybe, maybe, maybe. Judas didn't, Judas didn't see it. He missed it. Sometimes you could be in a room like this, and the kingdom of heaven is manifesting all around you, but you don't see it because you have scales of pride and arrogance on your life. And there's something like, Pastor Mike, why is it the ones who are in the lowest of low that always see it? because they're humbled by their pain. They're humbled by their desperation. I've tried everything. There's no other answer. I'll try Jesus now. And some of you have been like, why is my life feel like hell? 
but sometimes God will use that hell to get you all the way to heaven because he'll say there's no psychic with a word will you listen to my voice now there's no doctor with a solution or a pill would you try prayer right now and he'll cause you to walk the Via Della Rosa that narrow road and, and Peter got up Peter said Judas is dead Judas is gone and I'm not the theologian here just the guy smoking two packs a day drinking on the job but I know this thing is real and I'll be willing to do whatever God wants me to do and Peter stood up and thousands were added to the kingdom that day thousands and he began to preach with a boldness and an eloquence and a revelation and a wisdom that far surpassed anything he learned in his natural mind and it gave God so much glory I just want to tell you I didn't get asked to preach by God today because I'm the most eloquent one in this room or not because I'm the one who has the best sermon but I'm willing I'm willing and I keep showing up and I keep saying Jesus I'll tell the whole world about you and I've seen what happens with the surrendered life I see what happens with the surrendered life he'll take you to places you can never go on your own people swipe up to see how you can do 16 steps to success and they're swiping you into their courses but I dare you instead of swiping up to get down on your knees and surrender because the way up is down the way up is down humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and then he will lift you up Peter was lifted up under the mighty hand of God because he submitted and he humbled. Here's what's happening right now. I told you it's going to be hard to leave lukewarm here. Am I right? Life is life, Pastor Mike. Not no more. Because it doesn't say life is life. It says choose you this day. Life or death. And I come here with a sword. The sword of the spirit that divides asunder even soul from spirit. And I've come here to say that the times of playing church are over. The world is groaning, groaning. The world, do you hear it? Do you feel the pain? Do you feel the groaning in the earth right now? Do you, do you, I mean, this is why when we were in Chicago, just days ago, hundreds of people showed up. I had a four and a half hour prayer line because the earth is groaning, it's groaning. And guess what, I've got good news. We don't serve social justice Jesus. We don't serve philosopher Jesus. We serve Jesus that is the king. And the king is conquering all the works of darkness around the world and we get to choose to be a part of it so julie i just want to release you to sing this song and i want to do something before she starts singing because this whole sermon is all hinging on encounter it's all hinging on encounter so what i want to facilitate now is as julie is singing i want you to worship because jesus said hey, I know you guys like me being in one body so that I'm in one place at a time, but actually it's better that I go away because I'm sending another and his name is the Holy Spirit. And see, the Trinity means he's three in one. So the Holy Spirit is Jesus unlimited. So if you're saying, well, it's so hard to believe in what I don't see. Yeah, but the Bible said, blessed are those who believe and yet don't see. There's a special blessing for those who believe even when they don't see. 
and the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus unlimited, can go into every seat. And this is how he operates. He'll speak a word to you, Alex, just intimately and personally to you. And it'll be as if everything fades in the background and he's only speaking to you while he's doing that to Evan at the same time. While he's doing that to you, all the way in the back in the rafters, I see you, or somebody watching online, that's how the Holy Spirit operates. He is Jesus unlimited, which means that he can minister to you. So I'm telling you, I put all my bets on this moment right now. Everything I just preached is to get you to the place where you say, I was raised Catholic, I was raised Presbyterian, I was raised Methodist, I've affiliated with things, but pushing all that aside, I need to encounter the risen Jesus. I need to know, I need to meet him. If he's truly in the room right now, I can't listen to my mama. I can't listen to the philosophers. I can't go into another scientific tangent. I've got to meet him for myself. And I'm banking on something happening in worship right now where people are encountering Counter to, to Jesus through the risen King. So let's lift it up. Let's just begin to worship and let's just encounter Him now in this moment.